This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. It is the dugout all Mariners from 1 to 2 p.m. And it starts right now with the Scott Service Show brought to you by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett and the Skipper joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Skip, how's it going? That's going okay. We are over in Oakland. Just got to the clubhouse over here and getting settled into uh, this historic ballpark. I think I'll leave it at that. Well, I was going to ask, you know, I don't mean to put you in a bad spot, but have you seen any possums? Any flooding in the clubhouse? Uh, no. I have the clubhouse looks about like it always does. Probably same as it has 30, 35 years ago. But uh, that's okay. Uh, the shade, Scott. We'll get the ready shade. to play the Oakland A's tonight. We'll get ready to play the A's. No possums. I know Shannon will be looking for them here at some point tonight or tonight. But I haven't seen any yet. Hey, Scott. Uh, no denied, you guys are going through a slump right now. And I always think about like the player-coach relationship. When you're going through something like this, is there a player you kind of lean on that you that you nudge a little bit and say, hey, man, I need you to get this message across or I need you to lead? Is there a guy you kind of go to on the team? Oh, absolutely. It's not just one guy. I think it's just a group of a uh, small group of guys, the guys that you have, have been with you the longest and, and have gone through some ups and downs before, with you in the past. And uh, you know, a couple of those guys are hurt right now. Obviously, Mitch Hanniger and, and, and Tom Murphy are guys that have been with us here for a while. So, you know, you, you look to, you know, the J.P. Crawfords and the Ty Francis of the world and, and guys like that, you know, that you know, you're, you're hoping that uh, – and we know they have the ability to take the next step a little bit and, and help around in our clubhouse and help lead and things like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a collective group of guys and uh, not just talking to them but listening to them uh, as well. I think that that's really important. I think no matter what you're doing, if you're leading a, a baseball team or football or any business, you know, you certainly – you know, you've got ideas and, and things you want to uh, input on players, but you also need to listen to them and, and where they're at and what they're seeing. Scott, uh, and I understand there was something about a possum that was mentioned, and, I'm, and that's all on you. I, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. And they're very nice creatures, which we're in luck that that's the truth. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things that happen when I'm not there. I'm sorry, Shannon. I didn't mean to steer the conversation that way. Scott should have known. <laughs> Scott, I mean, obviously this was an eventful weekend, and I know that um, you all were very hard at work on uh, trying to manage it. I saw the coaches' cars there late at night when when I was there. And my question for you is, with what lies ahead of you and what is behind you at this point, what is your biggest challenge as the manager in trying to manage where you are right now? Well, I think, you know, we're we're not played very good baseball at all. Certainly in the last homestead was pretty brutal, quite frankly, and everybody knows that and realizes that. So we go one or two ways with this thing. We can sit and feel sorry for ourselves and woe is us and, you know, where we're at. Or you can sit down, okay, here's where we're at. Here's what we're, we're learning about our team, and, and we've got to got to find a way to make some adjustments. And we talk about it all the time, but – you know, what are those adjustments? And it's on an individual basis. Baseball, you know, it's a team sport, but it's really individual. You know, when, when you're in the batter's box, <laughs> your teammates aren't helping you, the coach isn't helping you. You've got to make those adjustments uh, yourself. So, you know, trying to help give players the tools to get through the, the rough spot we're in right now. So uh, it's going to be a collective effort that gets us through it. And we've had some good discussions and talking with players and, 
and groups of guys and what it's going to take to get us going back in the right direction. And we can talk all we want. We've got to go out and do it. That's what the, that's the nature of professional sports is, you know, uh, there's not a team out there that doesn't go through slumps and slides and, and, and is in a downturn at certain points of the season. And, you know, we've got to turn it around and there's no, you know, special thing you can throw at them or talk about, or there's nobody riding it on the white horse to, to fix it all. We've got to figure it out ourselves. And, and we will, uh, I do believe in our group. Uh, we're not playing up to our capabilities right now. And we know that, uh, but you got to continue to work. You got to believe where you're, you know, that, that you can get it turned around. We certainly do, but it's got to start right now, you know, and, and uh, again, can't do anything about the homestand we just had. It was brutal. We did not play good baseball. We know that. we got to go forward and get it going in the right direction on this trip. This A's team has obviously not been good at home, just 8-25, and 25, but uh, they've also gotten the better of you guys at T-Mobile. They're kind of tricky. Uh, tell us a bit about this team uh, now that you've looked ahead and, and looked at them, how you guys match up. Yeah, you know, we've, we've seen the A's a bunch, and, and certainly they've traded off, you know, some of their players this past offseason and, and some of the the guys they have, they still have, you know, uh, the pitching depth they have, and we'll see a couple of their better pitchers in this series in, in Montas and, and Blackburn's throwing the ball very well. And we'll get Caprillion tonight, who we've seen. And they've got some younger arms in their bullpen. They've got really good stuff. Uh, but, you know, it, it's we got to do more offensively. You know, that, that's the name of the game. We've got to continue to create opportunities and we get guys on base, you know, change our mentality a little bit on what we need to do to get those guys in. And you really just do what the game calls for. Don't try to do too much. Sometimes the game calls just for hitting the ball up the middle or hitting the ground ball the opposite field or, or you know, hitting a sack fly, getting a guy in. And, you know, in doing that and trying to do the little things right, sometimes bigger things happen. And, and that's kind of where our mentality needs to be here is, is we look forward to this series in Oakland. Scott, it's clearly a player's game, right? These, these guys go out there, they feel the pressure. Um, you know, they're got, the guy's struggling right now. But when you're going through these struggles, what does that do to the coaching staff? Like, what type of pressure or conversations are you guys having to try to correct this thing? We want everybody to perform at, the, at their best, you know, and, and understanding that when you have 26 guys in a team, you're not going to have everybody going their best at all the time. And then when you've got a collective group that is struggling together, you know, it, it makes you, it keeps you up at night. You know, it's part of your, uh, there's not a coach alive that wasn't want to, doesn't want to get the best out of his, his players. And you're trying to, to turn every, uh, any screw you can to get this player back on track, whether it's, you know, it, it's working the batting cage on a mechanical thing, whether it's, you know, looking at the numbers and the analytics and maybe this is how they're pitching you, or this is where you're, you're, you're hitting the ball and you need to get back to using the whole field. There's all those different things you look at, but ultimately Coaching is about relationship, and can you relate to that player and figure out a way to reach the player? And, and every player is different. It's not a blanket approach. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way in coaching, in my opinion. You've got to be able to, to build that relationship, build up equity with that player so you know he trusts you. And when you go to him about whatever it is, that you can relate to him and somehow make a change, make a difference uh, in that player. And, and Bump, you had it. You had coaches you, you connected with, you trusted them. You know, when you were when things weren't going good and there was other coaches he just didn't connect with. Okay, but I think as a collective group of coaches and and what we're trying to do is is you try to like, okay, this particular coach has a really good relationship with these three three or four guys. You focus on these three or four guys. Let's get a couple other guys focused on a couple different guys, you know what I mean? And collectively you just try to reach them and get them to understand, you know, the messaging and what we're trying to get across and, and hopefully it makes a difference. 
Scott, when you have players that come from different teams, be it in-season or be it out-of-season, and they do struggle, what are the things that you look at? How do you attack that? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think, you know, you really don't know uh, players, really anybody, until you, you live with them, right? You're, you're going through a season, and you see them when they're going good. You, you see how they react to things when things aren't going well. So, you know, the first thing you do is you, you just look at the track record. You know, when this player's going well, what is he typically doing? Where are the pitches he hits well in the strike zone? Is he swinging at the right pitches? Is he hitting the ball all over the field like he typically does? Is he typically an opposite field hitter? Or is he a pole guy? Is he doing something different that the numbers say? Okay, so you identify those things. And then you're always going to look at video and things like that when you break down his mechanical swing. But the hardest thing is getting the – I talked about earlier – is building that trust with players. You know, and, and, and figuring out which buttons to push. There's some guys that just, you know, that need a, you know, they get, need to get kicked in the butt once in a while. You've got to be firm and honest and direct, and they respond to it. There's other guys that don't respond very well to that, and that's the other guys you got to, to kind of, you know, put your arm around them and, and try to, you know, get them moving in the right direction, and, you know, you try to lead them to the water, and, and hopefully they'll drink it. So that's the, that's the art of coaching. It is not a science. And anytime you're dealing with, with players, certainly – all the players at our level have had tremendous success throughout their careers as amateurs, pros. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the big leagues. So they should all have something to go back or fall back upon. And, and that's what you try to do as a coach, certainly when you're dealing with guys that you don't have a long track record with and, and try to get them back in a, in a positive uh, mindset as big as anything. Because I, I think people understand how mental <laughs> baseball is and you're, how important confidence is. So you want to think in the right things, feeling good about where they're at physically and, and mentally when they're in the box and then, let it go from there. But it, it can be a challenge. It's part of, you know, it, it takes a while to build those relationships. Well, Scott, make sure me and Shannon are the first people you tell if you see any creatures in the clubhouse. Both of us very, very curious to know if uh, if a possum makes its way in there. But uh, he is the skipper, Scott Service. Uh, best of luck on this road trip, uh, Skip. We're all rooting for you. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Scott. All right, that was the Scott Service Show. Scott Service joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Uh, Very quickly, let me tell you guys about our Mariners ticket giveaway because it is now time to send one of you to a Mariners game. Call 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776 in one minute if you're listening on the radio or 30 seconds if you're on the stream. The third caller, caller number three, will win four tickets to the July 1st Mariners game. Again, that number 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776. Caller number three. You're winning four tickets to the July 1st Mariners game. Don't forget, July 1st is the Mariners' patriotic fireworks night. Start your holiday weekend off with a bang. That's at 7, 10 p.m. versus the A's. Find tickets at Mariners.com. This hour brought to you by Mazda of Everett. Let's get to some MLB headlines with Shannon Dreyer before we uh, jump into a closer look at the Mariners coming up here in 15. So first... Shannon, let me get started with the back-to-back stories about the Pirates. The Pirates called up top prospect and literal unicorn O'Neal Cruz. He's a six-foot-seven shortstop, and his throwing arm was clocked at 96 miles per hour on a throw to first last night. Shannon, what's the most phenomenal prospect you can remember seeing? Oh man, well I think we're watching one right now, which is a lot of fun. Um, and, of course, I was there for Felix's debut in the entire career. So, I mean, to me, uh, Felix, a generational pitcher, Julio 
perhaps on his way to the same thing. I, I would say that personally, those are the ones that I have watched and, and witnessed. Shannon, is it like watching Kyler Murray on the field with all these monsters, yet you see the 6'7 kid out there with all these average-sized human beings? Does it just look funny to you when he's out there? It, it does. There are some players. I remember the first time that I saw Kyle Lewis, and we'd heard, I think we probably saw him when he first signed, and, and they bring him to the park. But until you actually see him, and he's not 6'7", but he's a good 6'4", until you actually see them out in the field uh, compared to the and you know the dimensions of the field and how everything should look, that's when you really notice it, when you see an Aaron Judge, when you see you know some of these guys. But that's baseball. You also have a Jose Altuve on the other side, and that's the beauty of the game. And, of course, the most fun is when you've got an Aaron Judge at second base actually standing on the base, getting an extra two inches, and Altuve you know looking like he's four meanwhile fellow pirates player a lot of a lot of pittsburgh pirates news here guys sorry <laughs> fellow pirates player jack suwinski clubbed three home runs on father's day including a walk-off home run with his dad and in attendance uh i'll ask for both of you but i'll start with shannon what's one of the most special moments you've seen in a baseball game oh wow um, I'm going back to Felix's final game, the connection that he had with the fans, the emotion that he showed from start to finish, and kind of what led up to it. It had been a rough couple of years, but to see, you know, everything that it meant to him and everything that it meant to the fans, uh, especially when he, you know, kind of almost jumped into the fans section after the game, I thought that was amazing. Bump, what about you? One of the more meaningful games you can remember seeing. Man, it was my first Dodger game. I grew up a big Raul Mondesi fan. Uh, I was bottom of the ninth, needed a home run to win it. I'm standing up, cheering for Raul. Boom, he hits a bomb that runs the bases. Chains is flying everywhere. It was just a magical moment for me, my very first Dodger game. It was awesome. All right. Uh, meanwhile, one kid really great at bargaining with Astros first baseman, J.J. Matevich. Matejevic. <laughs> nailed it. He hit his first career home run on Sunday, which is awesome. But the cost of receiving, retrieving that ball from a fan who caught it was six tickets to a future game, six batting practice passes, an Altuve-signed ball, and a Verlander jersey. That kid is great at bargaining. And he got nothing from J.J. Matejevic. <laughs> well, why would you want that? I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're the kid, you're like, hey, J.J., congratulations. But uh, I got to ask you, buddy. Give me the Verlander. Give me the Jose Altuve stuff. No offense, kid. Uh, Shannon, tell, I want to talk. I know it's not going to be a fun conversation, but a little bit uh, about the Astros, about how deep this team is. We all expected them to maybe have a little bit of regression, and the Mariners could sneak up and try to take – uh, the division, unfortunately, they've stayed strong. What's worked out well for them this year? Well, what's, it's not just this year. It's what's been going on as far as what they have been doing with their drafting and what they have been doing with their international signs. And I, I think that that is a big way that they were able to uh, rebuild while still building or still sustaining. And you know, the thought when you say that we were expecting it, that was nothing that was new. That wasn't just something that should have been part of this year when they orchestrated uh, this plan for this Mariners group that we see right now they envisioned a window where 
logic would say that they were going to, they being the Astros, lose a lot of their big players. And they did, but they kept replacing them. You bring in Jordan Alvarez. You're hitting on some of your young pitching right now. And, you know, so as it was, they tended to reload. And it wasn't so much through free agency. It was from within, which makes it doubly dangerous because a lot of those players are a lot younger. And, of course, they just locked up um, Alvarez to uh, a contract. So uh, they've done things right. Uh, all right, I want to get to all-star voting with both you, Bump, and you, Shannon. Ty France second among all first basemen. Unfortunately, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is ahead of him, not giving that up with a 500,000-vote lead. J.P. Crawford eighth among all shortstops. Who do either of you, Shannon, I'll start with you, but Bump, I want to hear from you too. Who do either of you think is going to be the all-star representative for the Mariners this year? I think it'll be Ty France because I think he is going to get the manager votes. Uh, if the fans don't knew, know who he is, and apparently they do because he is up there in the fan voting, uh, the rest of the league certainly does. So I think he will get a very healthy dose of manager and player votes, and that will push him over the top. Bump, how about you? It's got to be Ty France. 83 hits. I believe that's fourth in the majors right now. And, you know, he's such a low-key type of dude. He's not going to market himself. Seattle, let's stand up. Let's get a campaign going and make sure – that he gets in. Um, it'd be nice to see JP or Julio in there, even Logan, but uh, for sure it's going to be tough. Can we talk Yankees for a minute? I don't want to, but we have to if we're taking a look around MLB because you guys, not only is Aaron Judge leading all players with 1.5 million votes, uh, but also the Yankees are just absolutely dominating. Your way, way, way too early World Series pick, how would the Yankees not be a favorite, Shannon, again, starting with you and then Bump will go to you? <laughs> I think it'd be insane to pick against them. You know, I've been thinking a lot about it, and this is what we're seeing when they are finally 100% healthy, and you're seeing that monster payroll at work. But the other thing that I think about is, you know, what a great year to be adding another wild card team because anything can happen in a best of seven, a best of five, a best of three. You have some sort of shot. So, yeah, they're going to be there, but I think it's going to make the postseason that much more intriguing. Can they be knocked off their pedestal in a short series? We've seen it happen before on a record-breaking season. <laughs> this is for Rodgers. East Coast bias. I want to see Yankees and Mets. Forget it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Wow. Let's do it. All New York. I hate it, Bump. I hate it. No, Day two. Go. You're already going there. God, I hate that so much. No, it's. I mean, the Yankees have uh, – most people outside of Yankees fans hate to see the Yankees succeed. Like, there are some teams you root for. For instance, I root for the Mets. I root for their success, even though they're a big spender now, too. I still root for them. But the Yankees, one of those teams I just cannot bring myself to root for. In fact, I root for your Dodgers bump over Thank you. the Yankees. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Mookie Betts is, uh, is in there at uh, number one in the NL as far as getting those votes. Uh, I know Mariners are, are in the AL West, but let's talk some of those National League teams. Who are some of your favorites right now for just teams that are running away with it? Bump, I'll start with you, then Shannon, I'll go to you. We going National League? We're going National League. You know I got to go with my it's Dodgers, okay to man. say your Dodgers. I got to go with my Dodgers. Yes, we have all the money, so we get all the players, and Mookie is doing his thing. You pick up Freddie from ATL. I can't believe that they let that happen, but, of course, I got to go with the, my hometown team, the, course, the Dodgers. Of course. Shannon, how about you? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm afraid to say this out loud, but I kind of like the Mets, <laughs> which 
You guys are willing yeah. this into existence. Stop. Let's go, Shannon. Let's go. Curtis is shaking his head. Something has got to be wrong. Yeah, I think the West is going to be intriguing. Are they going to set up for what we saw last year? You know, San Francisco Giants just three and a half games out. Padres, they've had their deal with some injuries and whatnot. Dodgers dealing with some injuries as well. I, I think that that's, uh, you know, it was great last year. I think we could see the same again. But the Mets just seem to, you know, be clicking on all cylinders from the very start. And so I think I've got to go with the Mets right now. All right, last one here. Shannon, I got to get your take on yesterday's Red Sox broadcast where Manny Ramirez said Derek Jeter would have just been another guy if he played in a smaller market. Take a listen. You got to understand this. If you haven't played in Boston or New York, you're not in the big leagues. Hey, it's like if you put Jeter in Kansas City in those years. Right. He was just a regular player. Yeah. You know, it probably... I mean, I, I guess there's a guy by the name of Mike Trout who plays in Anaheim and Shohei Otani who are in Anaheim also. And, uh, you know, that's, I guess we're ignoring the West Coast altogether. But superstars can come out of different cities. But that's kind of one of the problems with baseball is it is so regional. And I think everybody will agree that a different spotlight has been put on New York in, in particular. What player, a question for either of you, do you think has most surpassed uh being in a smaller market like what player got the most stardom for where he was playing fernando tatis is one that immediately jumps to mind i defer to shannon shannon i would have to really think about that to be honest with you (laughs) (laughs) i'm immediate curtis i can see curtis looking up wondering if there's a because you think of some of the biggest best players they're always going to be big market well there's a guy by the name of ken griffey jr pretty much you know ruled all of baseball pop culture and everything else maybe maybe i'll go with him i'm going out on a limb a very very fair answer all right uh we've got shannon for another 10 minutes here and now we're going to focus just on the mariners she is our mariners insider after all so we're going to be talking about this series against the a's and what this team can do moving forward to turn things around that's next you're listening to the dugout every tuesday at one with bump and stacy on seattle sports station the home of the mariners All Mariners from 1 to 2 p.m. today. Sticking with us is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. As a reminder, our conversation with Shannon Dreyer is powered by Pacific Lamp and Supply. Shannon, I'm going to start with this series against the A's. We're talking about it as a get-right series, but this team can be tricky. Uh, What do they do well that the Mariners are going to need to watch out for? Well, you know what? Honestly, I think the Mariners are just going to have to watch out for the Mariners right now. And. Uh, I don't think it matters who they're playing. And we've seen throughout the year uh, it can be somebody that uh, you can be taking a look at a you know, potential Cy Young award-winning pitcher on the other side, and they're just fine. And then you can be looking at a last-place team in a division, and they kind of fall apart. And one of the interesting things about this series, and I wonder how much they'll be talking about it, uh, although, you know, since this has been said to me, um, I, I think that, Obviously, a lot more has happened, but that last series against Oakland at home was uh, an eye-opener for this team. And, you know, they lost two out of three to that team, and I was talking to Ty France on the road trip afterwards and when they were starting to turn things around, and he said that that series was an eye-opener. And he said you cannot, you know, take any team for granted or look past 
any team. And he said that when they looked over on the other side, you know, they saw a bunch of guys that were hungry, never mind where they were at. And where they were at is, you know, a terrible place to be in baseball, where you're basically being torn down to rebuild and add to that, you don't know where you're going to be playing. And they had an absolute minimal payroll. Nobody is coming to the stadium. And that's something that I'm going to be watching for, too, because there's not going to be any energy in that stadium. They are going to have to generate that from within, and that's a thing. But it should be on their mind that they did let that series go away. And I was surprised that Ty France even said that. So I'm going to look for them to be a little bit more representative of what we saw on the road and perhaps a little bit more representative of a hungry team that they saw on the other side when they were last in Seattle. Well, Shannon, you alluded to the question I was going to ask you. You know, as a former athlete, it's tough not to play in front of people, right? Crowds with people chanting where they're heckling, whatever it is. Do you ever hear chatter of players talking about that? Like, here we go. It's going to be empty or let's get ready, boys. You know, it's opening day. There's there's 30,000 out here. Is that a conversation that you've overheard before? I haven't heard the empty part other than sometimes it's kind of fun to hear the individual hecklers that you can hear like when you're in Tampa in a dome or something like that, or you can hear in Oakland too, especially those that are out in the outfield. But you do hear a lot of talk. Uh, they don't care where they hear the big crowd. It's always great when it's the home crowd, but they feed off of it in other ballparks too. And there was a lot of talk this year about that Mets series and what it was like to be in that building and how loud that was and how involved their fans were. And you remember the Jesse Winker interactions with them, and he has the history with them. They had a lot of fun with that. So I, I don't think it matters where it is, but, yeah, they talk about it. That is something, you know, as players, they absolutely love and feel that they benefit from. Do you get the impression that this team, despite their record, are going to be trying to improve at the trade deadline? Yeah, because I think that Jerry DePoto is always looking to improve, and his line is we could be buyers and we could be sellers, which is also what he has pretty much done at every deadline. He's got to look. You know, you hope the ideal situation is you're buying for this year, but if you're not buying for this year, he's going to be looking to next year and the year after that and after that. So I think a more appropriate question, are you looking for the short-term rental? And you're not going to be looking for that if you're completely out of it early on. And he is open to trading anybody at any time that's not named Julio or Logan or George. So, you know, that's kind of DePoto season or season two after the off season. So, yeah, I, I think that I wouldn't be surprised to see a significant ad even if things continue to go south. He's going to be looking to improve for the future. Shannon, every now and then I get emotionally attached to a player, and uh, that, that player this year was Romo, man. Dangerous. 80s baby, 38, oh. 39 years old, great beard, great stories, man. Um, sad to see him go, but uh, Giles gets activated. How do you think he's going to change that, uh, that, that pitching staff? Well, first of all, let's just I mean, I don't think there's really been a moment to kind of appreciate that Romo was here and he was one of the game's greats and the role that he was in. And he's had an absolutely remarkable career. And, and I'm sorry he couldn't get it going. And he was a positive force in the clubhouse. He was definitely a veteran presence, not afraid to get on anybody and, uh, you know, never brought his struggles into anything else that I could see. He was always, you know, trying to help others as well which, you know, that that's a special person to have in the clubhouse. So I, I'm glad he got to spend a little bit of time there. And, uh, you know, it just it was very interesting for us to get to see him. I had no idea that that's who he was 
uh, behind the scenes, which was great. As for Giles, I'm going to be interested to see how they break him in because if you look at what he did in his rehab starts in the minor leagues, he had very few clean outings. He it looked like, you know, he was kind of struggling with giving up some hits. There were some home runs. Uh, for him, I am told, it was all about just getting the feel back for his pitches but uh, I don't think that we've seen the velocity that he has had in the past and he is still a pitcher that hasn't pitched in almost two years so I think they're going to be care- have to be careful about how they use him how often they use him and I don't think that you know he's going to be thrown into a, a high super high leverage situation from the get-go but they brought him up for a reason they want him to contribute and uh, they will go from there what's the latest on Kyle Lewis uh, you know, this is a tough one because they just, they're, the, the latest is, is they are not reporting on him at all. And uh, it's anytime you have been out for the amount of time that he has been out for, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was a significant concussion. He has been at the park. He has been working out. Uh, in the last at least few days. Uh, I think that is a good sign. I think it was a little bit alarming when he tried to work out uh, the first time, and uh, they, they shut him down after that. You know, they wouldn't say what happens, but to me that means he got up on the bike, didn't go well, and he still needs recovery time. So I, I think that the fact that he is having more consistent workouts right now, I don't believe he's participating in any baseball activity. I, I think it's a step in the right direction. But, you know, I, I hope Bump can speak to concussions because there are a lot of people out there that, you know, if you're reading Twitter, do not understand that every concussion is different. Every individual is different. They are all serious to some extent. You're talking about something has happened with your brain. And there is no standard concussion. There's no standard date or timeline of when you will come back you have to pass a series of protocols before you can come back because again it is your brain it's not something that you take lightly so you know it's when he is symptom free and when he can do his job without there being you know any any trace uh, of that concussion that is when he will be back yeah, I'll tell you one thing, Shannon. I've had three documented concussions, probably six or seven, because back in our day they say, oh, you get your bell rung. Go ahead and get back in there. Um, so you have to be cautious with that type of stuff. And you're right. Every concussion is different. Everyone responds to it. So I'm with you. I hope he takes his time and you come back when you're ready. But I want to ask you about Robbie Ray. Right, The last two outings, we seem like we're getting the guy that we thought we were going to see. He's experimenting with some of his pitches. Um, what are your thoughts on Robbie Ray? Do you think he's turned a corner and that we can start to depend on this guy? Yeah, and I, I'm glad that he made a change. And it took a couple of months, and I, I'm glad that he saw that. He did something that worked for him for a long, long time. And he was forced into doing something different. That wasn't anything that was planned. It was something that happened mid-game. Scott Service went up to him and said, you have to come up with a plan B. Plan A is not working. All right, I'll throw a two-seamer. And I'm glad that he had the curiosity to continue working on that the next week. And what I like about it is... When there's change, it can be, oh, well, it was a surprise. The other team didn't know, the scouting report, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that pitch gives him more dimension in what he can do with his other two pitches. You know, he's covering, you know, the batter now has to cover more of the plate. The batter has to look outside a little bit more. And so along those lines, I think that is going to continue to help him. And, you know, you hope, you hope that the hitters around him, and obviously pitching and hitting is so different, but if a veteran like Robbie Ray, can make a drastic change two months into the season. And if you were a struggling hitter right now, 
you hope that they can do the same thing. And does that mean you're completely changing your swing? No. But maybe you're changing your approach. Maybe you're changing your two-strike approach. Maybe you're changing, uh, you know, how you see the field in front of you. Maybe you are changing, you know, I know I can hit the home run here, but what I really need to do is I need to get the guy over. Maybe you're sacrificing yourself a little bit more at the plate. And uh, you, you hope that that is noted what he did and perhaps kind of set as an example for this group right now. She is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. Read her work at seattlesports.com. Follow her at Shannon Dreyer. Obviously, make sure you're following her for updates in tonight's game. Shannon, thanks so much for joining us. I will give you possum updates, Stacey. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Shannon. You're the best. You're listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Every Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m., it is all Mariners. So we're going to welcome on Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. This is The Dugout wrapping things up on this Mariners Hour with Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Dave, how's it going? Doing well, Stacey and Bump. Congratulations on a full-time gig. Good to have another have a black voice on this station, man. Good stuff. Good for you. I appreciate you, Dave, man. Honored to talk to you. Honored to talk to you. Very excited to have you on. Hey, uh, Dave, obviously this team is not where we all want them to be. I'm hoping to lean on some of your analysis since I don't know where to find hope. But one of the biggest things Bump and I have talked about is obviously the runner stranded for this team, which is uh, a consistent problem. I mean, what are some patterns you've seen with that? The simple thing. Nobody's hitting with runners in scoring position and leaving everybody on. I mean, that's a pretty basic question. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a matter of, you know, I, I know Scott, I've talked to him a few times uh, when I was doing the radio uh, to interview pregame with him. And, you know, it's got to shorten up some swings. You know, the, don't worry about swinging for the fences. Put the ball in play. Man, the Mets did a great job putting the ball in play. That's one of, against the Mariners. That's one of the reasons why they're having such a great year. Not everybody's swinging for the fences. That, you know, the big guys hit the home runs. The little guys set, you know, set the table, and you go from there. So, you know, hopefully this is something that can be corrected, and hopefully uh, very soon. Dave, I kind of got an odd question for you. I'm a bald man myself, so my hat game is proper. Yes, my, your, my man. your hat game is proper as heck. So uh, do you have like a lucky hat that you can put on to help these Mariners while they're over there in Oakland trying to get it done? Man, I don't believe in that stuff. These cats, you know, you played. <laughs> hey, you're either going to play or you're not going to play. It has nothing to do with what I say if somebody's throwing a no-hitter. It has nothing to do with any, you know, me wearing the right hat. Absolutely not. No, I don't believe in that. Never have, never, and never will. And it's, and it's, you know, you play at the highest level. It's all about performance. And, you know, you got to guys, guys got to have their minds right. It's another thing I know you're familiar with. If you have your mind right, you got more than a fighting chance. And, and if you don't, uh, you know, you're, you're liable to get it, get it handed to you. So, you know, I, I, that's, that's not part of my game, but not even close. The hat game, it feels good, looks good, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> if that were the case, if that were the case, we'd go 160 and two every year. <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, Dave, tell us just a bit uh, about this A's team. I, I feel like they've been awful at home, but then they also got the better of the Mariners here in Seattle. I mean, uh, how do you see them? Well, you know, it's a big league team. And and then I heard Shannon talking about it earlier, about what, referring to with Ty Francis. They took him for granted, which, you know, you look at the schedule, I, you know, you, you hate – it's difficult to do in any sport at any level. But human nature is what it is. And you see somebody with a record like that. Now people are looking at the Mariners like that. And that's, uh, you know, 
when the Mariners teed up against these guys. That was a dreadful series, losing two out of three. Hey, they got pride. They're young guys trying to prove themselves, trying to make a name for themselves in a brutal situation, which we're going to see here tonight because we'll probably have more seagulls uh, watching the game than people. <laughs> David, leadership has always been a question with this ball club, at least this year. Um, you have guys like Winker and Suarez who you would expect to kind of lead the charge, but Ty has been, I guess, the top performer, but that's really not mm-hmm. in his personality. In times like this, as a skipper, do you go to Ty and say, look, man, you're our top performer. We're going to need you to say a few words to the team, or do you kind of just let him be himself and, and stay true to his personality? Uh, I, I, I think you probably have to you know, just go organic. You don't have a guy that's a, an obvious you know, a, a Griffey Buner kind of guy would say, hey, look, damn it, let's go. We got to do this. We got to do that. I don't think that that person exists on the team, but mm-hmm. at some point, probably somebody, maybe one of the more veteran guys. And if anybody were to do it, uh, it wouldn't make sense that Ty did it because he's certainly the most accomplished hitter this season uh, with this ball club. But, you know, that, that kind of stuff, a lot of times, you know, that, again, that's organic. I mean, you can talk about it all you want, uh, but somebody just has to step up and take charge. It's not always, you can't always have and coaches in all sports that I've worked in say this all the time. It doesn't always have to come from the coach manager. You know, peer pressures, you, Mike, you know what peer pressure is like. And you get some of your boys starting to ride your, ride your behind, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to yeah. have a tendency to want to pick it up. And I think you know, somebody probably should uh, be coming to the fore in that regard because, you know, boys are in danger territory right now. Um, you know, 10 games, but, below 500 and uh you know they're gonna have to put on an unbelievable tear you know to make that uh, make any one of the playoffs so hopefully that person will emerge and it's not like something you can you know you can get a roster out and then point to a guy and say you do it It doesn't work like that yeah um Dave, uh, last question here. It's not actually about the Mariners, but uh, earlier in the show we were talking about some of the most special moments we've seen in a game. Um, there was a, a Pirates player who hit uh, three home runs on Father's Day and could yeah. walk off with his dad in attendance. What's one of the more meaningful Very games cool. you've been to? This year? Um, I guess I all think, time, just what it, comes to mind. I don't think anything to that level has happened so far. I mean, you know, still for me, I mean, game 161, the Hanager single last week, the Ooh. Felix Perfecto in 2012. I mean, those are two that jump out. I mean, Nelly in game 161, I think, in the 16th season, we tied it up with a three-run homer in the seventh. Uh, Mariners went on to lose that game. But that was those are three moments that jumped out. I mean, you know, those are easy ones, easy ones in baseball. I got some basketball and football ones, but for baseball, those are ones that jumped out for me in the games that I've had a chance to call. What's a basketball one? Um... Let's see. Uh, George Mason beating Connecticut, the top seed in the East, back in 06 to go to the Final Four. Uh, Georgetown, who they beat? They beat somebody with uh, at the Meadowlands. I was working with the late great John Thompson. His George, his son JT3 was coaching the team, and we were in overtime. And Jeff Green was walking up the court as we were waiting to come back from the TV timeout. And Big John, you know, we're I'm I'm doing radio, national radio with John. And he says to Jeff Green as he's walking by, hey, you, blank, 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 take this sucker over. Get this thing done. Sure enough, he went on, got like six, seven points the last couple, three minutes. Georgetown wins. They go to the Final Four. And after po- after the game ends, all the players came over and lined up and over. We were trying to do a post-game show. And they all came over to shake hands with Big John. Oh, I thought that was one of the coolest moments I've ever, ever been a part of. That's a really, really cool moment. He is Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. Uh, Dave, it's always a pleasure. Uh, we, uh, we hope to talk to you next week. Let's hope we're talking about a few more wins here. 
Uh, yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. And, Bump, again, congratulations. I'll stop by the ballpark next time we get home. Will do. Thanks, Dave. All right, man. Be good. Take care. All right, bye-bye. All right, he is Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. Uh, guys, a uh, special surprise here. We actually have another pair of tickets to give away. We found another pair of tickets to give away, and uh, I'm going to give them to... The first caller, so call 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776. The first caller will win four tickets to the July 1st Mariners game, 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776. First caller wins tickets to the July 1st game. That's going to be the Mariners Patriotic Fireworks Night. Start your holiday weekend off with a bang. That's at 710 p.m. versus the A's. You can find tickets at Mariners.com. This has been the dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app for Michael Bumpus, Curtis Rogers, and myself, Stacey Ross. Thanks so much for listening today. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.